0: Still doesn't sound right. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Gosh, we're off to a great start. A little more room in the parking lot this week. Did you notice that? But we're here. And that's what matters. And others will continue to come. As they do, we will welcome them. But as you find yourself in place, I invite you to slow down. Allow yourself to fully arrive here. Take a few deep breaths so that your awareness might open up and recognize the presence of the living spirit in, with, and among us. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. You may be seated, and you have been, but you're allowed to be seated. Don't get up. I do want to welcome you to Westminster on this Sunday in the season of Easter. Easter is not simply a day for us, it's a season, and we're glad that you're here, whether you're someone who's come back many a time, or perhaps you're new, or perhaps you visited last week and are continuing to stay. We're pleased you're here. We'd love to connect more deeply with you, and so if you'd like to give us your information or send us a prayer request or otherwise connect, there's a handy-dandy little QR code in the back of the bulletin. You just scan that with your phone now or later, and it'll take you to a form that will allow you to fill something out. It'll come right to the pastors so we can see that. Um, I want to make sure that uh, you are also connecting with one another, so uh, I really encourage you to look around throughout the service, find people perhaps that you don't recognize, and even as you greet your friends and those you've known for a long time afterwards, when we have refreshments, uh, actually we have a special gathering today, but whenever you leave today, uh, that you might find someone you don't know, and simply introduce yourself. It's pretty scary to come to a church for the first time, so if you find somebody who may be in that boat, we want to make them feel extra at home here, so please do that. If, uh, I should have mentioned too, if um, you're not into the QR code thing, no problem. There's a little bit of white space below where you can simply write any information in. <laughs> yes. We will not leave you behind. And by you, I mean me. And um, you can simply hand that to me on the way out, or Bethany, where she here? Or put it in the offering plate, and the ushers will make sure that we get it. Okay. And now let's, let's join with one voice as we offer our community prayer together. Will you pray with me? Dead raising God, sometimes we find our hopes placed in a tomb, our journey of faith locked by stone, and then through the power of love you make a way where none seemed possible. Time and again love rises from graves dug deep We seek your resurrection in our lives and in the crucified places in our communities. We ask for a faith that remembers the triumph of your way. We call upon you in our own distress and tune our ears to the distress around us, trusting that in Christ your love will win. Amen. And our prayers continue in quiet. Friends, hear the good news of the gospel. On the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. And Christ lives and reigns in unity with the Holy Spirit. So know that the old has passed away and the new has come. Know that we have been forgiven, that we have been set free and be at peace. Amen. One of the ways we try to strengthen and build the community is by sharing what we're carrying. So now is the time for you to share your joys or your concerns or things you're wrestling with, that the community might become a part of your journey in a deeper way. Joy, I'll start with the joy. Thomas, it's so wonderful to see you here. Welcome back. What a treat. Yeah. My name is Thomas. Yeah. 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 What a treat. Many of you remember the Beer family, and they they were in Southern California before before they were here, and, and they were here, and they've gone down there most of the time, but nice to see when Thomas is around, he joins us. Other joys or concerns to share? Judy. Judy asks your prayers for her sister Cecile, who's had an in- infection and some trouble with one of her legs. Quite scary. Others? Yes, please. Hi, Cynthia. Hi, Cynthia. Welcome. Scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. All right, oh that's yeah. all right. <laughs> you must know Jackie. <laughs> yeah. She's not scared of anything. <laughs> Thank you. Cynthia, welcome. And she uh, asks for prayers for her husband uh, and for Christopher and his success as he seeks uh, a job more fitting to his skills. Yeah. Yes, please. Andrew. Yeah, amen to that. Andrew lifts up uh, joy for how beautiful it's been here the past couple of days. Indeed. What a gift. Thank you. Others? Yeah, Thomas. Yeah. Thank you. Thomas asks for prayers for his sister, who's also going through chemotherapy. Sherry. Yeah. Sherry lifts up the people of Ukraine, and particularly the children, for our prayers. Jeff? Di- I saw a hand in this direction, not Jeff. Sorry to put you on the spot. Anything you want to pray about? No. <laughs> um, uh, Scott? Scott? yeah yes. yeah amen and and that's not doom and gloom. We should always be praying for our leaders for that kind of wisdom and compassion. Thank you for calling us to that. I thought I saw another one up here, Joan. Yes, thank you. Joan reminds us that this is in the Eastern Christian Church, Eastern Orthodox tradition. Today is Easter. So we obviously, we join our hearts in celebrating with them, and we're mindful of the way that the war, Russia and Ukraine, uh, is dividing the Orthodox Church and communities in many ways. Thank you. I thought I said, Barb. No, that was next. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, Yeah, many of you, some of you may not have heard yet, but uh, Karen Arnett did die last week. Karen was our longest tenured member of this church. Not quite a charter member, but this close. And a saint in every way. And she had a a rather rapid illness. And both Barb and I were able to see her on Tuesday and she did die Wednesday. The family really wants to have a, a service immediately. So we're looking at f- this Friday, and that's I want to make sure to get the word out. Looks like we're going to have it at 11 o'clock. I will confirm that later today, um, but we will make sure to put that in the e-news so it gets around to you. But feel free to reach out to those you know who would like to be he- be there, um, who aren't here today. Um, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing the deacons could probably use some help serving because I expect quite a crowd so you might connect with Sandra Masson if you're willing to do something for that but we certainly lift that lift up her whole family in prayer and we open our own hearts as we grieve the loss of her as I shared it at the 8:30 service I sat down and it hit me I, I'm still not ready to not see her here as is the case so often let's pray together Oh God, we carry so much and we hold so much in the depths of our hearts. So much cause for joy and celebration. So much that tempts us to despair. For love we have and love we've lost. For people near and far. Connected to us intimately and connected to us only through the news. You pray that as we open our hearts in prayer, you would wrap your arms around this, your world. That you would call forth the better, better angels of our nature. That you would make us true vessels of your love. So join us as one diverse people in the common prayer that Christ taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
1: good. I want to invite any of our children who are worshiping with us today to join me towards the front. Not only are they good at music, but the Hansons are also extraordinary fantasy football players. Uh, you were in the church league, right? You, how, how did you do in the church league? Third, Third place. Who, who won that league? <laughs> sorry. sorry. Just, uh, just it's, it's open to anybody, by the way. uh, Uh, Yeah, your father did. Your father got very lucky. Yeah, so. Yeah, so. Speaking of championships, I want to show you a picture. Here, I'll, I'll show it to you. You can sit there. You can sit there. All right, let's see. Here we go. Let's sit here. Do you know who this is right here? Steph Curry. Steph Curry. And what's happening here? Can you tell me?
2: He champions.
1: He won the championship. This is what it looked like after I won the Westminster Fantasy Football <laughs> Championship. Uh, but yeah, so he, he looks—he e- looks excited, doesn't he? Yeah. He does have a much bigger beard than I do. You are right about that. Yeah. He yeah. Has a
2: bigger beard than do you, than you
1: know, know? So, so this was a big celebration. This was a big event. Do you know what he did after this? No, I don't know either. Okay. Well, here, let me show you another picture. This is more personal for me. This was a big celebration in my life. Do you know what this is? Here, we'll ask Liam or, or Andrew if they can tell us what this is. Do you know what this is? Yeah, this is a marriage. Do you know who that is, getting married? Married one? Me. I look a lot younger. Jen looks the same. And so... Now, we got married here. Do you know what we did, like, the next few days after that? No. Nobody knows. But we celebrate that day. And so here's why I bring this up. Last week was a really important day. What was last week? Easter. Easter. And we celebrate that day every year. We get really excited. We remember that Jesus suffered on the cross. We remember that Jesus comes back. But what happened after that? (laughs) <laughs> well, then what is it, so?
2: Uh, what about, well, everybody else will hear it.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It we sometimes, confusing. well, what did happen after Easter? Yeah, Thea, would you would you like to answer? Okay. Commission.
2: <laughs> um, uh, um, sure. Yeah.
1: Well, I tell you what, you hold on to it, because what we're going to do is we are going to find out what happened after Easter with some of our high schoolers, middle schoolers. They're going to join me, and this is our last day to get to be with our youth and our high schoolers this Sunday. Next Sunday, we will go back to our regularly scheduled programming, and they'll go back to doing theirs. Uh, Almost, almost. So, join me. (laughs) Now in peace. Go.
2: Our first scripture reading is from Psalm 18, verses 1 through 6. This is a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, and listen to what the Spirit may be saying to you. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so I shall be saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of perdition assailed me. The cords of Shoal entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. This is holy wisdom, holy word.
0: The second reading comes from Matthew's Gospel, the 28th chapter, verses 11 to 15. Continue to listen for what the Spirit might be saying to us right here and right now. While they were going, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests everything that had happened. That everything, of course, referring to the crucifixion and the reports now of the resurrection. After the priests had assembled with the elders, they devised a plan to give a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, you must say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story is still told among the Jews to this day get to that sentence in a moment. But this is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Well, In addition to Easter being last week, does anybody else know what last Sunday was? Virtually every Sunday, if not every day of the week, is an anniversary or a commemoration of something important. Last Sunday was the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson's appearance in Major League Baseball as the first black player. If you were here last Sunday, you might see how that moment is emblematic of the themes that we drew upon during Easter, namely the ugliness humanity is capable of and the capacity to birth beauty out of it. A new life and possibility where things seemed impossible. So whether or not you're a sports fan, maybe that moment can birth some hope in each of us and some inspiration. As much as Easter Sunday may have erased the ugliness of Good Friday and Jesus' crucifixion, Pretty soon, it's a new week again, or the same old week, it sounds like it. You want to answer what happened after Easter? Well, you just heard it. Pretty quickly, folks conspire to cover it up. And notice I just said folks, But I want to give context to that. I mentioned a moment ago that that last line is a little tricky, and the Jews tell this story to this day. So a little context is in order, because the text says and the Jews did this. Well, to put it briefly, they were all Jews. This was an inter-family fight. Sure, there were Gentile converts adding to the mix, but what, what you're seeing here is uh, a community or a set of communities within the same tradition working out its own sense of identity, which is quite different than us now Christians referring to they, Jews, And that confusion over generations has caused all kinds of persecution and suffering and even killing. We want to get that straight. By the time Matthew was writing, there were a a, a couple of groups, more than a couple probably, of Jews. There were Messianic Jews, Jews who, who were following Jesus as the Messiah, and Rabbinic Jews who didn't have that conviction. And neither one of them was the same kind of Judaism that Jesus would have been a part of. Because Jesus, like all the other Jews at the time, were second temple Jews. The center of religious life for the Jewish community was in Jerusalem in the temple. And the temple was destroyed 35 years after Jesus died and before Matthew wrote his gospel. So it's actually totally different. It's new communities trying to sort out what it means to be Jewish in light of the destruction of the Second Temple and in light of this whole Jesus event. So that's what's going on there. Good context to bring into the picture every time you hear those words thrown about. But let's return to the story and just stay within the confines of the story. Why would folks, when confronted with evidence, you could say, testimony at least, that Jesus had risen from the dead, Why then would they persist in trying to cover it up and double down on their denial of him? Well, two answers come to my mind. The first is, people like to double down. (laughs) Perhaps we resemble that comment. It seems like in this particular historical moment, we have lived into that mightily. It's rewarded in our culture, right? You say something, you're presented with evidence to the contrary, And doubling down has somehow been seen as a sign of strength rather than what it is, which is actually a commitment to ignorance. Never, or almost rarely, consciously. usually more functional ignorance. But there's something in us that has trouble in changing path, changing course when presented with new information. That's actually the less interesting of the two, in my mind, for the purposes of for today, at least. Why else would they have wanted to deny Jesus's rising to life after he'd been killed? The same reason they would want to deny him in his life before the crucifixion. Jesus Christ was a threat. And I'll argue later is a threat. He questioned the religious authorities of his own tradition, his own people. He didn't question the foundations of their faith. He rather questioned the community living up to them and the leaders living in to them. He called them to account on the basis of integrity, not of false premises. But more than that, his way of being may have threatened their very safety. Jews had carved out a a fairly peaceable arrangement with the Roman Empire. They were allowed to exist, to have their religion, to an extent to self-govern. It doesn't mean it was always rosy. There were uprisings and revolts, and some were clearly not contented. But largely, they found a way to make it work. And so now this rabble-rouser comes along, and some of his teachings and the stories about him uh, could be dangerous because they're a threat to any power. He spoke of a different kingdom. People started to put on him titles such as Lord, title that was reserved only for Caesar. This was dangerous stuff. This could get them in trouble. And so it's understandable why they may want to put that down and push it away. And I might argue, Jesus is a threat to us too. Maybe a more positive term, more helpful term, is a challenge to us to likewise consider how we're living into the foundations of our faith in our best values, religious or non, how we're living with integrity, how we are loving others the way he called us to love, which is difficult, so difficult that even those of us who claim the faith sometimes do lots to avoid trying to do it. Sometimes those who proclaim the faith the loudest live into it the worst. And even good Christians do this we used to uh, uh, joke in seminary about a, a genre of Christian music that we affectionately, not so affectionately, referred refer to as Jesus is my boyfriend songs. <laughs> where all you do in the faith is you just sing how sweet and awesome Jesus is and how much you love him and how adorable he is and how in love you are, which conveniently keeps you from actually having to pay attention to any of his teachings or the life that he called us to live. Why? Because it's hard. Now, I don't want to, though I, I guess I just did Make fun of anybody's faith. And there's nothing wrong with wanting an intimate connection with Christ. That's actually quite beautiful and can be quite transformative. But Jesus spent a lot more time trying to teach us how to love others than he did begging us to fawn all over him. And if all we're doing is singing about how wonderful he is without changing, then we've got the wrong lyric sheet, so to speak. Jesus invites us to do something that's hard, and it's understandable why people turn away from doing it, even subconsciously. Loving people is hard. Maybe you're discovering this anew as we sort of come out of this. Pandemic, God willing, I've run into at least some people who are not ready for the crowds yet. I don't know if you've experienced this. Just not ready to be around so many people. Part of that's adjustment, and part of that's relearning how to live in community, which isn't easy. And it's we've not made it easy on ourselves. Look at the public sphere and how we treat one another, which now plays out more online than in person. In the way we are to one another, how do you love in the midst of some of that vitriol, some of which was prayed for at the 830 service and some here? And in a strange way, I have some potentially good news for you. That some of the way we treat each other isn't just because we're awful people, but because we're being fed things to make us want to not love one another. Carnegie Mellon did a study in 2020, And it uncovered that at that time, a far more dangerous time in the pandemic, fully almost 50% of Twitter accounts pushing on social media an agenda of reopening society, almost 50% of those accounts were fake. They were bots, conjured up, not real, programmed and put in place to drive a narrative actually, probably not to open us, but to divide us, and to make us not like one another, and not trust one another, and say bad things about one another, well done, because it worked, right? So we're being fed with all this disinformation, meant to do exactly what it did. That doesn't mean we're actually all awful people It does mean that our propensity to take the bait on that kind of stuff makes us far more similar to the people in the story who took the money to lie about Jesus than we'd feel comfortable. Because sometimes it's easier to do that than to put yourself at risk to live out that which Jesus calls us to do. He's a threat. He's a challenge to us. I have increasingly... Uh, no doubt or less doubt, that if Jesus were to come back today, what would happen to him? Same thing. He'd be crucified, only faster. He got three years, according to at least one of the Gospels, of ministry. Would we let him go three years? I doubt it. The only difference is, it wouldn't be Jews who would crucify him. They seem okay with him. Christians would crucify him because it would be Christians that he would have in his focus, calling them to account to live into the gospel that he set forth. That's, of course, my conjecture. Betrayal is an old and repeated motif. Did you hear the psalm from a moment ago that Elizabeth so beautifully read? These people who've suffered at the face of, the hands of their enemies, their former loved ones in some cases. And listen to that gorgeous prayer. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be pra- praised. So I shall be saved from my enemies. We're told to love our enemies because we have them. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of perdition assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. This is not a dear God, thank you for these people kind of prayer. This is a dear God, please spare me from these people kind of prayer. It's actually a little bit cathartic. To join in that prayer. You who have experienced that kind of betrayal. Maybe participated in it unknowingly. To join in them with them. To know that we're not the first. Nor will we be the last. To experience that kind of pain. So where's the good news? We're a week out of Easter. And you've already got us down in this. Where's the hope? The lasting peace. Put as simply as I can. The hope. The hope is that even in the face of all this, love is more resilient. It is more powerful. It's capacity to produce beauty enduring. Love is resilient. At that passage so often shared at weddings, but perhaps not enough shared in the regular life of the Christian community, remember what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is What? Patient, because it endures. It's kind. He says it bears all things. He says it hopes all things. It endures all things. And it doesn't rejoice in the wrongdoing, it rejoices in the truth. Saying it endures hard things, all things, is to admit it will have to endure. But Paul believes deeply that it can and it will. David Pittle, who many of you may remember, you sit right there, particularly at the early service. Ordained pastor, a longtime participant in this congregation, lived most of his vocation in the counseling world. Once shared with me what he called an inspired response between one of his heroes, uh, Bishop John Shelby Spong, and a reader. Now, David was a self-described heretic. Uh, Although I have a secret to tell you that often heretics are actually the most orthodox among us. Orthodox just means right thinking. But they're called heretics because they stand in a stream against uh, a, a dominant force that has kind of missed the point, missed the way. David would come back from the grave and probably smack me if I called him orthodox in the church. So, David, you are still a heretic. I will embrace your title. And Spong has been called a heretic by many, but you could make the case that Spong, too, is actually Orthodox. In any event, a reader, Catherine, questions Spong about the faith. And she says this, What is it about this Jesus that you find so compelling? When I hear the Christmas story from the Bible, I believe that I'm listening to fairy tales. Stars do not announce the birth." Of a human being angels do not sing to hillside shepherds virgins do not conceive and give birth although there was an article this year about animals that can procreate without a part different sermon could marry okay i'm not going there is there something behind the old mythology catherine asks that i'm missing Can you still, with any integrity, Bishop Spong, refer to Jesus as the Son of God? Now, many Christians, then, you might think, carry those very same questions. Some of you carry those same questions. And it's unclear to me in reading Catherine's question whether she was bitter in trying to get him or she was genuinely curious and wanted to know or maybe combinations. But either way, Spong responded with great care and at great length. And he said, in doing so, or in his response, he described Jesus not in metaphysical or ontological terms. He simply described Jesus as the one in whom he saw God most clearly. He pointed to how others were drawn to Jesus in their life. How miraculous tales of power surrounded him of how great presence and deep wisdom was ascribed to him and as we've said his way of being threatened those who held on to earthly power as it always does and so it led quite naturally you could say to his death from which he did not run of the concerns about the plausibility of angels and miracles and birthgiving virgins, Spong ruminated, Well, is it any wonder that people had to break the barriers of language when they sought to make rational sense of this Jesus experience? Similarly, when we tell those stories of Easter, in stones being rolled away and angels yet again showing up to the scene. And dead people coming back to life. I don't know if our, if our task is to figure out exactly how that happened. But rather uncover the deep truth of that moment. Which if you ask me, is quite simply that love is resilient. That God's love that we see in that moment that can be born in us and manifest into the world again and again is powerful and strong and resilient. That's the gospel message. Jackie Robinson was a man of the gospel, a man of faith, as was uh, the president of the organization, Branch Rickey, who called him up to the Brooklyn Dodgers 75 years ago. We will not hold the Dodgers against him. In fact, uh, Branch Rickey once said, Robinson's a Methodist, I'm a Methodist, God's a Methodist, we can't go wrong. (laughs) We will absolutely hold that against them. I think we can work with the Methodists. But they both knew what was going to happen when he took the field. And so Ricky wanted to test him. So they would practice doing things like uh, denying him service as if he were at a restaurant or at a hotel. He would call him names to see how he would respond. And one time he took a swing at him right at his face as he hurled a racial slur. And Robinson, drawing on the teachings of Jesus, just without flinching, looked at Ricky and said, I have two cheeks, Mr. President. Is that all? Our love is strong. It is resilient. It is fierce. That's the same love that 2,000 years ago rolled away the stone, 75 years ago it knocked it out of the park and the question for us is what will you allow to do in your life tomorrow and today amen And You may be seated. Got in on time that time. It's a very special time in the year of the church. Uh, So I invite those new officers to be ordained and installed to come forward, please, and just stand on the steps and face your congregation. These are leaders that you elected. That's our system, is that you all discern with God's help who is called to serve this church, either as a deacon, the caring arm of the church, or as a ruling elder, those who make decisions the governing board of the congregation and so we are you've, they've, you they've already voted on these folks but this is the moment where we ordain and install them to service friends our constitution reminds us that in baptism each christian is called to ministry in christ's name every single one of us is called but god calls some persons from the midst of congregations to fulfill particular functions so that the ministry of the whole people of God may flourish. In ordination, the church sets apart with prayer and the laying on of hands those who've been called by God through the voice of the church to serve as deacons, ruling elders, and ministers of the word and sacrament. And so you have before you uh, incoming deacons and ruling elders. And I have some questions for you. So, those of you who've been called into this service, do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, acknowledging Him Lord of all and Head of the Church, and through Christ believe in one God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or we might say, Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer? If so, please say, We do. Do you accept the Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments? To be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal, in God's word to you, do you? Do you receive and adopt the essential tenets of the reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our church, as authentic and reliable expositions of what scripture leads us to believe and do? And will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? If so, please say, we do and we will. Will you fulfill your ministry in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? If so, please say we will. Will you be governed by our church's polity and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry working with them, subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit? Will you? Will you in your own life seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors and work for the reconciliation of the world, will you? Do you promise to further the peace, unity and purity of the church, do you? Will you pray for and seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination and love, will you? That's the best one. And now for the ruling elders. Will you be a faithful, ruling elder watching over the people providing for their worship, nurture and service Will you share in government and discipline, serving in councils of the church and in your ministry? Will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? And the deacons among you, will you be a faithful deacon teaching charity, urging concern and directing people's help to the friendless and those in need? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? And now to all of you, you who are the entire congregation, whether they're all here or not, you are their representatives. So do we, the members of the church, accept these folks? Their names are right there in your bulletin. Do we accept them as ruling elders or deacons chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? If so, please say we do or you'll have to serve. No, but this moment is powerful. We are pledging our faith in them and promising to support them. So, in accordance, do we agree to pray for them, to encourage them, to respect their decisions, and to follow as they guide us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is head of the church. Do we? And amen to that. It's an old tradition in the church that we lay on hands on those who have been called to ordained ministry. All those who've been ordained in the past typically come forward and lay hands. Though I think we're in a better place with the recent surge, I'm not sure we want to pile on each other just yet. So I'm going to invite a little bit of a variation uh, because it'd be too awkward to let folks opt in and out if they don't feel comfortable. So if you've been ordained, I just invite you to, to rise as you're able. Part of what's powerful about this moment is you see all of those who have served as an elder and as a deacon in this church or in another church of this tradition. And so uh, will you join me just reaching out your hands in prayer? And will you receive the spirit intended in this moment in whatever way feels right for you as I pray for this holy moment? Gracious and loving God, God of our lives in our stories, we give you thanks for the winding roads that have led here, for the particular journeys and experiences of those who've been called to lead, for the particular people who've been important influences on those who are standing here from the earliest moments of their lives till now. As we install and ordain these leaders, we are mindful of the saints who have gone before. In these outstretched hands, O God, May those who receive them recognize the outpouring of all of our hearts. May these folks feel a tangible transfer of the spirit as Christians have been doing this from the beginning, that in the gesture, they feel the tangible blessing in charge of this community. We acknowledge and appreciate, oh God, their commitment this day and the sacrifices they and their loved ones will make on our behalf. So, oh God, now equip them for the ministries that are before them some with which they are familiar, and some, no doubt, which will be new to them. Grant them, O God, your saints, an awareness that because of what they do, someone will be touched by your grace in a way they otherwise would not. Help them to rise to the occasion, to be good colleagues to one another, and fitting leaders for this, which is your church. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. As we move into a time of announcements and closing worship, a few things I want to highlight for you. Remember, immediately following this service, I urge you to stay. If it helps to grab a cup of coffee, it's better to do that before the sermon. But if... uh, If you need a cup of coffee, use the restroom, feel free to do so. Um, If you have children, remember, we've arranged for childcare after this, so you could stay or come right back in immediately. And we can start with our presentation. This is Jim Buggy. I'll introduce him again in a few moments. He's, uh, I'm like, I'm seeing him as a guide for us in navigating this next important chapter in the life of the church, Uh, continuing uh, to finish the project financially that we, that you boldly set out to do and accomplished. And then to dream together, the most exciting part about the next chapter of the life of this church. So there more will be said for that after the service. It will be recorded and distributed to everybody in the congregation. So if you know someone who isn't here, flag it for them. Tell them to watch their email inboxes, and in the next week we will send it to them so that we can get their feedback and participation as well. Uh, A couple other uh, important things I want to mention. First, I actually want to say at the sermon and the story I told I alluded to this at 8:30 and I think I neglected to hear Robinson's tale is quite something of receiving that kind of abuse but sometimes Christianity gets confused with the obligation to just absorb other people's abuse as if that's what love looks like and I want to make sure that if you're someone experiencing that kind of thing in your life that you don't get confused into thinking that's your Christian duty so if you or a loved one is in a situation of abuse, mental, emotional, sexual, or physical, uh, we can connect you to resources you need. That's resilient love too. So I want you to make sure you hear that lest you leave here with the wrong message. Uh, two others, uh, first is, uh, and these are, these are um, exciting ones, first is I want to report back to you on your contributions to the One Great Hour of Sharing offering that comes with Easter. Uh, Fifty-four people donated to that. Uh, in addition, 53 people gave to the Deacon's Fund. Oh, I'm actually, this is a breakdown. I'm sorry. Fifty-three people gave to the Deacon's Fund, which was also a recent solicitation, which helps the caregiving of this church. Forty-one people gave to the One Great Hour of Sharing. The total contributions to the Deacon Fund was $7,390. Thank you for that a generous offering. The total to one great hour of sharing was $4,715. Those will go to those in need as well. And finally, I want to call on Kurt Peterson to say a word or two about an exciting opportunity to put your faith into service in a very direct way. Kurt. Thank thank you, Kurt, and thank you for being um, a leader on the Outreach Commission. Habitat for Humanity is obviously a great opportunity to build something that will make somebody's life uh, a great deal better in very real ways. And if you couldn't hear all of that, this is a special multi-faith build where each religious community gets to send just three people. And so what a special chance that would be to build alongside sisters and brothers from other traditions. And so let's make sure we fill our three. So it's on the Saturday the 21st. If you're interested, please see Kurt. If you can't see Kurt, find me. And with that, would you rise in body or spirit for our closing hymn number 242. So again, we'll take a moment and make sure our recording is set up and uh, you can take a second to grab whatever you need and then please come back to the sanctuary. You might want to shift over in this direction too because I know Jim will be projecting a few slides on the screen uh, so you can see a little bit better. But as you go from this place, whenever you go from this place, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is father and mother of us all and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit may be with you this day and every day. Amen.